All right, let me get into this teaching by uh, going back to and just giving you some summary points of, uh, of some stuff I wanted, of what we've been teaching over the last several weeks. Let's make sure you get it. And it comes out of my, everybody shout, reflections. Reflections. First of all, I want to note that in Galatians uh, 5, verse 22 and 23, I've said this before, and I just want to point it out again. It reads this. Well, the Holy Spirit produces, everybody shout, this kind of fruit. Say that. <laughs> this kind of fruit in our lives. And I've told you that another way of really reading this text, it would be equally accurate if you said this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of character, shout character, in our lives. And then gives us nine characteristics of what a God-shaped character looks like in our lives. Or to put it another way, if you want to kind of evaluate how well you're doing on your character, you got nine different lenses to look at through it. So the first point, kind of summary, I just want to point, pull out here for you to think about is, is this. That, uh, that, that at the end of the day, <clears throat> God's goal is to shape character in our lives. And all nine of these characteristics are ways in which God wants to shape character in our lives. Let me just give you a perfect example. Everybody shout patience. 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 We learn over the, over the weeks that patience is best defined as, you know, the ability to wait over a long period of time. Shout long period of time. The ability to wait over a long period of time for God to answer your prayer. Or for your spouse or boyfriend to get dressed or come out and get in the car. <laughs> or for that promotion <laughs> that you thought you should have had last week and uh, last year. And, and it's, it's still, you're still waiting on it. It's, it's, it's yes, it's the ability to wait. Shout wait. But it's not just the ability to wait. It's how you wait. It's the ability to wait well. Well, that's a question of character, that as a norm, if you're able to wait without cursing people out and screaming and yelling and being frustrated, that's, 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 that's character. Shout character. Character, you see? The second quick point I want to pull out here is that uh, character, my character, shapes my relationships with people and my relationship with God. Let me put it another way. You can draw a straight line between your character and your relationships. So, give you an example. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, I told you I was in Boston. And on that particular weekend, I wasn't supposed to be here. So I recorded a video introducing Marvette, by the way, who did a fabulous job teaching on gentleness. Somebody say amen, right? She was outstanding. So I wasn't supposed to be here. But since my flight landed about 1.30 in the morning, and since at NBCC, you have not one, not two, but three opportunities to make it to church on Sundays. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. I mean, come on, right? If you, if you got to sleep in and can't make 8.30, you, you can do the 10. If, you, if you're like, no, I'm still turning over at 10, that's all right. Show up for 12. You got three opportunities. 
So, you know, I, I, I knew I had that. I couldn't get up at 8, but I, I slipped in here at 10. Mar, Marvette did this wonderful message on, on gentleness. And so as I was going out greeting people and I was walking out, one of our guys was walking me to the car. And he was, uh, he was just, just excited because of the message. And he said to me, this is the point. Marvette had made this point in the message. He said, she said, gentleness is strength under control. Remember that? And as he was, he was just giddy with excitement. And he was walking me in the car. He says, Pastor, he said, today I learned for the first time that I can be a man and gentle at the same time. Hey, you ought to celebrate that. Yeah, I can be a man and gentle. I, I can be, if he equates strength with being a man, he would say, I can be strength, but I can also be strength under control. Now, can you draw a direct line from that, that revelation uh, of character to his relationships? Absolutely. Because he learned that day that if somebody ticks him off, come on now, that, the, that strength under control means push the pause button. Close your mouth, calm it down, think it down before you speak. Doesn't that affect his relationship with his spouse and his children? Absolutely. I'm telling you, you can draw a straight line. Shout straight line. Straight line between your character and your relationships. That's why God working on our relationship is such an incredibly important thing. And positioning ourselves so that can happen. There's a third kind of revelation point that comes as I'm just reflecting. Everybody shout reflections, reflections, reflections. This is reflecting. Is at the end of verse 23 in this passage, and Pastor Damaro alluded to this last weekend. It says this. Talks about these nine characteristics. It says this. There is no law against these things. Now to fully understand this, I want you to take the word law. Everybody shout law. And, 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 and substitute it with the word rule. Say rule. Right, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, <laughs> if these things are showing up in your life, you don't need a rule to do like this. You don't need a law. All right? Now, if you get this point, you get the basic understanding of the whole book of Galatians. Here's his implicit point. Rules, parents, listen. Grandparents, listen. This is worth showing up for just this point. Tell the person next to you. Listen up, listen up. Rules by themselves do not shape character. It's because you got 10 rules for your kids to follow. You're not shaping character. Let me tell you what rules do. Rules help kids to learn the difference between right and wrong. That rules help them to learn here's the right way to do it, here's the wrong way to do it. Rules help kids and others to learn about boundaries and all of that. But rules by themselves do not shape character. Let me prove it to you. If I am a person of unhealthy character, uh, excuse me, of healthy character, m most times, nine out of ten, I'll keep most of the rules. But if I'm a person of unhealthy character, I don't care. You could have 20 rules. I'm going to figure out how to subvert all of them. Rules by themselves do not, 
This is what Paul is trying to say about the law. A rule does not make character alone. Now, in my trip to Cushada, you've heard this story a thousand times. I thought I would show you a picture because this was a gift from God for me. I went home to Cushada, my hometown. And I ran into Miss Gafford. See this lady here? Some of you may remember me talking about Miss Gafford. She is currently 87 years old now. And this is the teacher who, when I was in the 10th grade and poor on character, I showed up at her room and she said, wait in the hallway. And she caught me in my collar because my reputation had outrun me and took her finger, this lady right here, and shook it in my face and said, boy, if you come in this class acting a fool like you do the rest, I will kill you. Do you understand? <laughs> this lady right here. 30-some years ago. <laughs> I was so blessed because, you know, she retired from teaching. She's 87 years old, and she's going back to the classroom. All right, everybody say, rule. You come in this class, I will kill you. That's rule. <laughs> Don't act a fool in my class. <laughs> All right? It was this woman who, when I went into her class, after about 20 minutes of my pouring character, I ignored the rule. I raised my hand, I was going to say something funny, some of you know this story, but then God intervened, and out of my mouth came the right answer, right? Then she said to me, and in retrospect, it was the voice of God speaking through her, huh, stop putting God in a box. Stop thinking that the only person that God can speak to you through is the preacher. Come on now. Every now and then he'll take an 86-year-old teacher, come on, in a classroom way away from a sanctuary and speak into your life. Or she said to me, boy, if you would stop acting a fool and go home and study, you'd be somebody. So first there was the rule, say rule. Then there was the word from God that softened my heart convicted me then there was the work I went home and I cried my way through page after page after page after page shout work and while I was crying my way through God was working on me and I show up here today come on now because he used her to help teach me character faithfulness to finish what you start that's what Paul is saying Rules alone does not form character. So then comes the question. Here's the point that he gets to in verse 25. Just notice here, this is where I'm working through, just reflecting on the last series. And here it is. He says this. So since we're living by the Spirit, in other words, he's saying, well, I've just, I just taught you all these nine characteristics. And so obviously you want God to shape your character. So since that is your disposition, that's what he's saying, uh, let us, here it is, say it with me, read it with me. Let us say, follow, read it, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. My gosh, that's exciting. It only leaves one question. How? How? Well, Pastor Dan Monroe was helpful. And I'm in the psalm text now because the psalm text gives us some real practical insight to how to learn 
Say learn. It's, it's, you, you, nobody gets it perfect. It's, you have to practice it and persevere. How to learn to follow the leading of God's spirit. Watch it in every part of our lives. And uh, Pastor Dan is helpful here. Last week, I don't know if you heard the message. I don't, you, might, you may have missed this. But it jumped out at me. I was watching, listening to it on podcasts. How many of you know we have podcasts? You know we have podcasts? Yeah, if you don't know, you know now. We have podcasts. So if you're driving in your car, you don't have a chance to see the video, put the podcast on. It's awesome. So I was listening to podcasts. And Pastor Dan said this, and it jumped out at me. He said, I have been a believer for 65 years. He said, but I've been a follower for less. Did you catch the distinction? Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Did you catch it? That, that, and he was making the distinction between, on the one hand, if you had asked him, he grew up in the house of a pastor, grew up in the church. If you'd asked him, do you believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God, that he died for your sins, that he, he conquered death, that he got up? Pastor Dan Monroe says for 65 years, he would have more or less consistently answered that question, yes. But if you asked him, are you following him? Oh, that's different. How many of us fit that category? How many of us do you believe? Yes. Are you following? Have you decided that you're going to follow him? And then Pastor Dan goes on and explains it. This is so helpful for me. Because I saw myself in this. I could look back through my history and see this. My whole life. He says, the reason why he didn't follow all the time. Listen. He said, because he loved the notion of God being in his life, but he did not like the notion of God directing his life. Just say to the person next to you, I I, I get that. Just tell them I get it. You don't have to make a confession. Just say, "I, I get it. Man, I, I, I get this, man. I can look back in parts of my life when it was important to me that, that God was in my life because he's full of power. But I didn't want him directing my, I don't want him telling me, I didn't want him telling me what to do. As a matter of fact, the reason I wanted an all-powerful God in my life was so that I could tell God what to do with his power. Here's my agenda, God. Use your power this way. If you love me, you would do what I asked you to do. <laughs> in the Greek, whenever the Bible talks about belief in the New Testament, it really means a little bit more than intellectual sense. It means an activeness. All right. So, point number one. If you want to learn how to let the Spirit lead you in every part of your life, you have to make a decision. Shout, make a decision. To devote your life to God. Your life. Here it is in the psalmist. Here's what he said. In the IV version, uh, verse 1, uh, 25, Psalms 25, verse 1, he says this. In you, Lord my God, Yahweh Elohim, I put my trust. What he's saying is, 
God, in you, I put all of my trust. I trust you above everything and everyone else with my life. Now, in case you missed it, look at it in the New Living Translation, and he makes it absolutely clear. Lord, I give my life to you. Shout relationship. God does his best work on us inside of a relationship with us. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8.14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Shout relationship. Relationship, relationship. All right. Now, now here, 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 here's what. Let's practice. Let's practice. Somebody says, well, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to give my life to God. Well, look, we're going to do it together right now. All right. So just, 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 just say out loud with me. Say, God, I give you my life. All of it. I want you in it. And I want you directing my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. You just did it. Come on, give God a hand praise. Somebody right here, you just changed the course. You just did it. You just did it. And, and you look, if you've got a connection card and you say, I didn't know it was that easy, just sign and put, put it on the connection card. It says, I decided to do it Follow Jesus. And one of the categories said, I check it. I follow Jesus. Today I made the decision. Will I be perfect? No. But will God perfect me along the way? Yes. Make me better. Wow. So that's number one. So you've just put yourself in a position to learn how to be led by the Spirit in every part of your life. I like the psalmist. He kind of goes back and forth because it's like a big decision. So he's like, God, I put all my trust in you. Then he says, now God, listen, verse 2. He said, don't make me, don't leave me out here hanging. His language was, don't let me, who have put my trust in don't let me be ashamed. That's what he says, right? Don't let my enemies overtake me. And then verse 3, he kind of comes back to himself. He's going back and forth. He comes back to himself. He said, God, what am I thinking? No one who fully trusts in you will ever be made ashamed. Right? Now, you may not do what we want. It may not work out the way we thought it would work out. But, it, we, but you will always work it for the good, ultimately. Right? I can't be made ashamed. And then he says, okay. Okay, I'm there, God. He says, so now I'm ready to start practicing trusting you, which means allowing your spirit to lead me in every part of my life. And so first, I've devoted my life to you. And watch this. So secondly, I'm going to now ask that you reveal to me the patterns by which you work in my life so I can recognize you when you're moving. Let's see it in the text. Verse 4. Here's here's how he says it in the text. He he makes it very clear. He says, show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Say ways. Say paths. In other words, you put that together. What he's saying is, show me the patterns, the regular ways in which you work in my life. Now, 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 uh, everybody shout, I have to ask. Say, I have to ask. Say, I have to ask. I have to ask. Here's why. Here's why. If I ask, will you show me, then it means I'm going to look for it. I'm going to start examining. I'm going to start examining. Oh, here's your homework. I did this on the plane ride from, uh, from Texas back to California. God had moved 
with such, moves me in such gratitude. I took my iPad out and I just started writing all the big moments and small moments that I could think of that God showed up in my life. It took me three hours. I got tired. I had to stop and rest and start again. I'm telling you the truth. And, and, and I, you know, I've, I've already reflected in the past, so I could see, I could see that in my life, God works. There's a certain pattern. I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute. And, 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 as a matter of fact, the way God works in my wife, my life is a little different than the way uh, he works in my wife's life. Now, let, let, let me give you two, two ways to, as you start reflecting at home. I hope you do it. Let me, let me, let me break it in two categories. Everybody say, God works on my life. Say it. All right, so that's the first category. How do I see? What's the pattern? How, 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 does God, how does it look when God is working on my character? How does it look? What's the pattern? Let me give you an example. Early in, my, in our marriage, as most married couples do in the first uh, two and a half years, and in my case, the first 10 years, <laughs> Lots of fights, right? Lots of arguing and fussing and back and forth. And unfortunately, I discovered only after about 10 years that most of it was my fault. I didn't know that. Didn't know it was my fault. It's my fault. At least that's what my wife says. Now, <laughs> in this particular case, it was my fault. Listen, when I got married, I had a peculiar habit. When something didn't go right, kind of teed me off. I would enter a dialogue with me. Men's, men, listen up, because we do this kind of stuff. And so internally, I would start thinking about it. Internally, I'd start processing it. I, internally, I, 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 I'd figure out that, you know, I thought that I think what she did was just wrong, and, and it created insecurity, it created this, it created that. And, 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 and you know, I'd, just be, I'd be mauled on it for days. The only problem was... I never invited my wife into the conversation. She doesn't know what's going on. All she knows is that she walks in and she says something one day, and because I've been mulling on it, I've been mulling on it, and, and, and she asks me a question, and I bark at her, roof, roof, roof. <laughs> like, where is that coming from? Finally, after maybe two hours, I'd open up, and she'd get to what was really going on. And this would occur again and again and again and again. Common sense would say, well, just open up. But you know, here's how I thought about it. I'm not going to let her control me like that. Mm, Listen up, man. Here was the shift in my mind that totally transformed the dynamics of our relationship. When I went from, I'm not going to let her control me like that, to, I am going to allow God to correct me. What I figured out was all that time, it kept coming up, it kept coming up. It wasn't just my wife. It was a pattern of how God was working on this part of me. When you go home tonight, start writing your iPad. Ask yourself the question, 
where have I seen God working on me? It, 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 it probably keeps coming up. It just keeps coming up. It keeps, it, it keeps coming up. Everybody shout. Uh, 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 say, so, say, 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 God works on my life. It's one category. Say this. God works in my life. It's a different category. It's a different category. Now, now here's where Rhonda and I are a bit different. The way that God, through his spirit, works in her life, my wife, is that from time to time, he whispers to her. And she hears it. And acts on it. Some of the most transformative moments in our lives have come because she's heard God whisper. She, she arrived at Graham State University and, and, and God whispered, go talk to that fellow over there talking about me. Because <laughs> he knew I would have never approached her. 11 months later, we were married. I, I, I was at the end of my time in Arkansas and I was flipping through what's called the opportunity listing I was thinking about transitioning from faith prayers to wherever God was leading me next. And Rhonda's sitting in the opposite direction from me. And she says, flip back a page. I flip back a page. And she says, is there anything unusual on that page? And I noticed I had highlighted a church called Roxbury Presbyterian Church. And, uh, and it had mis- misprinted the salary. I didn't know it was a misprint. The salary said $17,000 a year. I knew God wasn't talking. <laughs> that wasn't God. <laughs> that couldn't be God. I was making 40000 in Arkansas. Boston, 17. Are you crazy? <laughs> and Rhonda says, all I know is that as you were flipping page, I heard God whisper, shout whisper. Tell him to flip back a page. And then she said, you ought to check it out. I said, okay, I'll check it out. In the next few moments, 9 o'clock at night, the phone rings, and the voice on the other side says, uh, Pastor Herman, I'm, I'm Elder Dorothy Seaborn from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. We, we're just trying to see whether or not because they had contacted me. Are you still interested? I said, I am now. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Now, some of you are thinking, well, of course, she's the first lady. She's married to a preacher, of course. But let me suggest to you, lest you leave confused, that that same God has been whispering to a lot of you. And and, and here's how I know that you know it, because you've said this before, something told me. And as a matter of fact, if you would take a list and start writing down all of the time, something told me. Come on now, I know what you mean. You may say, well, that was intuition. That's your scientific analysis. That's okay. Or you may say it was a sixth sense. That's your, your scientific analysis. That's all right. I, I don't really care what, how you conclude what the mechanism is. At the end of the day, could it be that God is using your intuition or your sixth sense to speak to you and to direct your life? And so the next time something tells you, listen, 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 listen. He's no respect of people. He's just looking for somebody who would listen. That's a pattern. Shout pattern. 
It's a pattern. It's a pattern. Now, let me tell you, the pattern in which he works in, in my life and also towards the end of this is a little different. I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't heard that type of regular kind of whispering. But for me, the way I describe how you, the pattern in my life as I chronicled it is that it's what I call a combination of divine leadings and open doors. Say, say divine leadings. There's something in, intuitive that just pushes me and, and open doors. Now, uh, uh, I, Rhonda went with me, went back to Boston. I'll tell you why. Throw this picture up on the screen. Uh, we went back to cut the ribbon and to be the keynote for the Dearborn School. It's a STEM school. And the reason why I, I was invited to go back was because 10 years ago, and I, we're going to do something here together. When I say, it just so happened, I want you to say, open doors. All right, let's practice it. It just so happened. Yeah. It just so happened. It just so happened uh, uh, that after a big miraculous campaign in our church, I was, I was really kind of seeking God. Why did you do that like big miracle? And God showed me this doesn't happen regularly, but he did in that moment. Showed me, and I shared this the other day in Boston. He showed me a vision of the beautiful people of Roxbury just gasping for air. Their greatest aspiration, just trying to survive today. And, 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 and I, I didn't hear a whisper. I just sensed it in my spirit, uh, this, 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 this word that came forth that says, my people, are, uh, uh, they've lost the ability to dream. And I, and I blessed you so you could help them dream again. So I went back to the church and we launched a campaign called Dream Again. And after 700 conversations, we, 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 we prioritized people's greatest dreams and education was at the top. And it just so happened that we decided to adopt a school. And it just so happened that we had a relationship with the Dearborn School. So that's where we were welcomed. So that's where we started. And we got in there and we worked and we worked. And after about three or four months, it just so happened that the superintendent produced a list of 10 schools she was closing. The Dearborn was on that list. And it just so happened that I had the influence and felt the inkling from God. He put us here for this reason. And we organized and went to the superintendent and the mayor and said, don't close this school. Dream fresh dreams with us with this school. She closed the other eight, left two. One of them was Dearborn. Then she recategorized it as a STEM school. Watch this. It just so happened that we decided we needed a new building and it just so happened that, 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 that grant opportunities came available on the state and on the city level all at the same time in this time frame. And I mobilized and led an effort and at the end of it, we raised $10 million for a new building. And I left. Ten years later, get God off your clock. It took Michelangelo four, five years to finish the Sistine Chapel. God is a masterpiece worker. Some things just takes time. And the reason why I shed my tears is that most pastors don't get to come full circle. Come on, to see the fulfillment. Most pastors are dead and gone. But 10 years later, $73 million later, the mayor invites me back. A new mayor invites me back to do the keynote. And here's what we learned. Watch this. The building is new, but the school had already started. And here's what they wrote. 
have we mentioned that all of our seniors have been accepted into college and have been awarded more than $1.3 million in scholarship coming from Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan in Boston. From a prayer moment where I sensed the leading of God and open doors, open doors, open doors, open doors. We've done some great things to transforming communities here, but in many ways, we're just getting started. God's got some vision for NBCC in the Bay Area. How's God working in your life? What's the pattern? What's the pattern? So you ask daily, God, show me the patterns, how you work. And thirdly, you ask God, to help you to connect his principles, which is embedded in his words, to how you organize and live your life. And we see it in this passage, verse 5 of Psalms 25, verse 5. So right up here, here's, here's what it says. Guide me, shall guide me in your truth and teach me. Guide me in your truth and teach me. He's talking about essentially God's word. And so this is why I'm saying to you that you ought to become a regular reader of God's word or a listener to God's word because you can listen to it now. And don't start, if you're going to start, don't start in Deuteronomy or Leviticus or Numbers, all that complicated stuff. No, start in Matthew, second half of the book, Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start in Psalms where, where the psalmist is going through all the feelings that you and I feel. I mean, start somewhere there, right? But every day you ought to do a little reading. And then secondly, you ought to memorize, internalize some scripture because when God gets ready to speak into your life, often he uses scripture that when you feel unloved and unheard, he will declare, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've written you on the palm of my hand. When you're trying to go to school and you've concluded, I'll never make it. He will whisper in your spirit, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on now. And so you need to internalize, read regularly, internalize, internalize. All right, watch this. Thirdly, come to church. Say to the person next to you, wow, I didn't know that. Let me tell you why. 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 Here's why. Because when I or whoever teach up here, we try to pull out the principles of God's word and give them to you so you can apply them. That's what I'm doing now. Am I not doing that now? I'm teaching you how to pull the principle from the text and apply, go home and look for the patterns, go home and uh, begin to figure out, sense the principles. So this is why I say to you, if you come here, I want to encourage you, don't just come and sit down and look like this to me. Well, I, don't do that. I mean, you can, but I would prefer you not to, because like, I'm not like entertaining you, although I can be entertaining. <laughs> well, bring an iPad, bring a notebook, right? Figure out what's the, what's, the, what's the principles. Now, maybe you don't write, maybe that's not what you do, okay? When you go home, go to our website, pull up the message, and attach to the message are the notes from each message. Draw the notes. So that, and in those notes, they're written, they're written so you can figure out what is the practical thing. Here's what we know. If you just hear me and go home, within 36 hours, you will have forgotten 95%. It took me like 13 hours to prepare this message. <laughs> you don't forgot 95% of it right but we also know that if you, if, you, if you hear it and see it 
you'll, you'll remember a little bit more. And if you hear it and see it and say it, that's why I have you repeat it, you'll remember a little bit more. And if you hear it, see it, say it, and write it, you'll remember a whole lot more. But if you hear it, see it, say it, write it, watch this, and do it, you sure enough will remember it. That's why James says, don't be just hearers of the word, do it. That's where the transformation came. I had someone tell me the other day, say, Pastor, you, you, you're not as deep as you used to be when you preach. And I said to them, thank you. Because <laughs> in my young days, that's, that's what I wanted to be. I was a philosophy major and theology major. I wanted to be deep. But now I'm not interested in being deep. I don't want you to end up in hell. I want you to end up in eternity. I'm not interested in being deep. I want your life changed for the better. And so so I ask the question, come on now, and and you don't have to die to go to hell, by the way. A lot of us are living in hell right now. Right? Separation from God, endless pain. Come on now. But I I want to give you a word from God, watch it, that informs you, inspires you, but it's practical enough for you to go do it. So I say to the person, okay, I know I said I'm not deep, but let me just ask you a quick question. Did you do what I asked you to do last weekend? Oh, no, I didn't get a chance. You're talking to me. The transformation comes in the doing. Shout doing. Last point, and I'm going, we go home. I'll tell you what to come back for next week because you think this is exciting. Wait till next week. Uh, the last moment. Put that verse, chapter, Psalms 25. Put the last verse up there. Five. Watch this. At the end of it, here's what he says. For you, God, my Savior, and my hope, shout my hope, is in you all day long. All right. If you read it in the King James Version, New King James Version, it, it doesn't say my hope. It says, it says, it says, I wait, shall wait all day long. Here's what the writer is saying. The writer is saying that when I get up in the morning, I start a routine where I'm expecting to see you, God, show up in my life. I call them God moments. Uh, Psalms 39 uh, four through five. Here's, here's what they write. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. He says, uh, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime. Watch it. Come on, say it with me. It's just... Uh, and, 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 and he says, at best, each of us is but a breath. And what he's saying is, what he's saying is that my entire lifetime is but a moment in God's eternity. And, 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 and so what he's saying is, my lifetime is a God moment. And then he's also saying, if, if my life is a moment in God's eternity, then sure enough, God is involved in my moments. How are you managing your moments? Come on. Every year has, is made up of months, and months, they're made up of, of weeks, and weeks are made up of days, but every day is made up of a moment. How are you, how are you managing your moment? And the psalmist is saying that I get up, I get up looking for God moments where God shows up in my life. Shout God moments. 
God's moment, God's moment. God. That's how he gets your attention. Let me very, very quick, give you quick examples, quick examples. The other night, I, uh, there was a political thing on, and I wanted my daughter to, to, to engage and, and, and learn from it. So I said, come on in here. She was fussing at me a little bit. I said, come on in here. And she came on in, got between me and her mom in the bed, mom on one side here. And we started engaging. I started asking questions. She started, we started laughing and making jokes and processing and talking and all this kind of stuff. And then finally, when it was all over, uh, she got ready to leave. Her mama said, well, how was the experience? How would you rate it? She said, Lauren said, I thought it was going to be a three, but it really was a seven. And, and, and I said, that's great. But in my life, it was a 10. Why? Because it was a God moment. It, God created a memory that she will remember and that I will remember for the rest of my days. And, and you know what? That was a God moment. Let me give you another God moment. I, 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 I went to pump gas the other day in Sunnyvale, and, and I don't know what I was thinking. I pulled my wallet out. I guess I must have put it on the gas station, and I must have been thinking about this message. I'm not really sure what it was. But all I know is I jumped in the car, the gas full, showed back up in Palo Alto, and I got ready to get out, hit my pocket, no wallet. I called my wife. She said, you better get back to the gas station. I raced back to the gas station. You know it's all gone, guys. Uh, uh, and when I get into the gas, look on it. Can't find it anywhere. I go into the, the, the person. He's in the I said, did anybody turn in a wallet? He said, she said, oh, yes. She reason got my wallet. Everything was right in it. Come on. And the guy who got it left his name and his phone number. Didn't take nothing out of it. And since he blessed me, I tracked him down and blessed him. Listen, that was a God moment. I, I, I saw God show up there. How many of those moments you have? And God is saying, I need you to see it. I need you to acknowledge it. And as you see it and acknowledge it, I'm teaching you how to pay attention to the leading of my spirit. In every part of your life. Now, come back next week. I'm going to teach you two things. One, I'm going to teach you how to decide how to make sure that you don't go do something crazy in the name of the spirit led me. I'm going to teach you about that. I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to talk about some of the places that the Spirit leads us that is in some surprising, that will be some surprises for us. Come on, let's give God a hand, praises. I've just enjoyed reflections, reflections, reflections. <laughs>